This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Go quickly to God's Word this morning to Book of Second Kings, chapter six. Two Kings, chapter six. Just reading the first seven verses only. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan, and let every man take a beam from there, and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And so the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And so he made the iron float. Therefore he said, Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. Amen. We have been, this past number of weeks, following in the footsteps of the prophet Elisha, looking at his life and ministry. And I'm sure you've noticed already that uh, of all the miracles that has been accomplished so far in this uh, story, uh, many of them were dealing with uh, very large, uh, a very large situation, and, and some of them were life and death. Uh, for example, you remember how that he filled the valley, that parched dry valley, full of water, so that those three armies and all of their uh, horses and all of their animals uh, could be uh, saved from actually dying in that desert place. And then also, you remember how that at Jericho, how the water was very, very bad and it made all the land around about barren, and how that he threw in a bowl of salt and changed that whole drinking water for the whole city of Jericho and for the whole surrounding area. And then, of course, how he raised from the dead that little boy, uh, the son of the Shunammite. And so that was a life and death situation. So was uh, the cleansing of Naaman, uh, the great Syrian general, uh, because that was a death sentence for him. And so these were great miracles on a great scale and also uh, on life and death. And then we come to this particular miracle, uh, the one where uh, the finding again of the lost axe head. And it seems a very small thing and something that was very personal to this one man. But I think if that teaches us anything which is very encouraging, that God is not just interested on, the, on things on a large scale, or even in life and death situations, but of something that really concerns us, even as an individual, even though it may seem inconsequential to everyone else, but if it really, really concerns us, then God himself is interested, and he wants to do something about that. Now, this scene took place at the time of uh, Jehoram, king of Israel, and at that time, the land was filled with idolatry. 
It really was given over almost wholly to idolatry. And yet, in spite of that, there was some men who were determined to give God glory, who were determined to serve the one true and living God. There were some men who was determined to do whatever it took in order to lift up the name of Jehovah in the land in that time of great darkness. And these men were a growing number. The sons of the prophets were a growing movement. There was various schools. We know we read earlier there were schools of the prophets in Bethel and in Jericho and in Gilgal, and probably Ramah. Uh, and this began away with Samuel, and then was following him with Elijah, and now it's continuing with Elisha. And all of the time, the sons of the prophets, as, as you could, uh, if you wanted to call it a movement, was growing. And we see here in this particular area, these sons of the prophets in this particular school, we're not sure which one this is. Some say Gilgal, some say Jericho, but leave that aside. Whatever one it was, it was in a period of growth. There was a growth spurt here. And it got to the stage where the facilities they were using was very uncomfortable. It was too small. They had outgrown it. And so it's lovely, isn't it? in the midst of the darkness and the idolatry and the sinfulness of the nation, that there was a growing movement of men who wanted to glorify God and who was prepared to do whatever it took to do that. And here they were among themselves deciding something had to be done. And so they got together and they must have discussed, well, we need to build a purpose-built building. The one they had, whether it was rented or whether it was a barn of some farmer, we don't know, but it was too small, and now they were going to have to build one. And so they got together and discussed it, no doubt the dimensions of it and what they would need. Would there be a little kitchen in it? Would there be an area for study? Would there be a, a general assembly area? What height would it be? Width height? Where would it be? What part of the land would they build on? Well, obviously, they decided it would be down near the Jordan River. There probably was maybe a flat piece of land there that they could build that would be near water and so forth. And so, having decided that among themselves, it was a good idea. It was something that was desperately needed. It was something that was right. It was something they felt they absolutely had to do. But I want you to notice the first thing they did, having decided that, they did not go ahead without first going to the man of God and seeking his permission. That's the first thing they did. And the lesson in that for us is that no matter what project we find ourselves involved in for the kingdom of God, large or small, whatever it may be, it's always good, even though it's right, and even though it's maybe necessary, and even though it's a great idea, it's always good and right that we should go to our heavenly Elisha and get his permission. God, is this what you want me to do? And having satisfied yourself with that, then you can proceed. Because lots of times we have all good ideas, but whether they're a God idea is a different thing. And so they were making sure that they had the permission of Elisha. The second thing, which is even more important, not only did they seek his permission, but they sought his presence. They said, will you consent 
to go with your servants. They wanted not only his permission, they wanted his actual presence. They wanted him to be there. And what we want is, and we have heard even this morning, we want the presence of God in what we do for the kingdom of God. Amen. Just don't want his permission, we want his presence. In, the, in Exodus, uh, you remember how that Moses was up the Mount Sinai, and he was receiving the commandments from the Lord. And how that he stayed up there a long time, so long that those down below, including Aaron, his brother, decided that they would make their own God, and they made a golden calf, and they danced around it. And when Moses came down the mountain, he was so angry, he smashed the stones. And he dealt with the situation. And then God told him to move on from Sinai. And God says, my presence will go with you. And Moses says, if your presence does not go up with us, then we don't want to go. We only want to go if your presence goes with us. You'll find that in Exodus 33, verse 15. We really only want to go if your presence goes with us. And so they sought his permission and they sought his presence. And he answered, I will go. And so he went with them. Well, you know something else in this story. They said, let us take every man a beam. Let us take every man a beam. Everybody was to be included in this work for the kingdom. There was no exceptions. Everybody had a part to play. And we can see that in the New Testament. We can see that in Ephesians where the Apostle Paul, speaking of the church like the body of Christ, all of us building up the, the kingdom of God with the gospel. And the apostle Paul said every part, every part, even though it was different, all had a part to play. He says every joint supplies. There's the counterpart of let us, every man take a beam, every joint supplies. And so in this kingdom that we're building on earth for the Lord, Every one of us can take a beam. Every joint can supply everything. There's something that all of us can do for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. And so he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. Now, <laughs> this is hard work. I mean, this day there was no chainsaws, <laughs> it was really hard manual labor. Now let me tell you something you probably don't know about me. Away, way in the early, early days when I came into full-time ministry, before even this building we were ever in here, uh, there was times when it came to the end of the week where you may have got something financially or you may not. And there was weeks he didn't get anything. And so, me and another colleague like the Apostle Paul, who made tents from time to time, <coughs> we had to go into the tent-making business. Not literal tents, actually cutting down trees. 
Can you imagine? So he and I would go and we'd hire out a chainsaw and two axes and a wheelbarrow. And then we would drive around looking at farmers' fields and seeing was there any trees falling in the field or any about to fall, and we would have sought permission from the farmer, and if he says, go ahead, cut it up, we went and cut the thing up, we chomped it into blocks, we filled up bags, and we took the church many bus, and then we would go around the evening, around the houses, and we'd sell blocks. And let me tell you, it was hard work, <laughs> and that was with a chainsaw, <laughs> and that was with the best axes today. But in those days, no chainsaws, and the axes were handmade. They're not molded in factories like we have today. And so they were rough instruments, and there wasn't very many of them. This fellow had to go and borrow one. He didn't even have one himself. And so this was hard work. There's lots of hard work involved in the kingdom of God, and sometimes spiritual work is hard work too. Some of you are finding prayer is hard work, isn't it? Now, maybe you're a super spiritual person and prayer is just your delight and you just love to pray and you just breathe prayer 24-7. But for most people, you've got to work at it, haven't you? All right? Some of them are big trees you have to cut down. And so, as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And so there he was. This, we'll say this is a young prophet. And he's out there, and he's swinging away for all he's worth at the trees. And he's young, and he's fit, and he's healthy, and he's strong. And boy, he's cutting those trees down. But one time he takes a swing at the tree, and the head of the axe flies off. And it plops right into the Jordan River. The dirty, cloudy Jordan River. And he knew immediately, I'm in trouble. Now at that point... He had choices to make. He could have said, well, there you are. I have no axe head. That's me out of the game. I'll take a rest for a while. But he didn't. He could have said, well, it's not my axe head. I never put the shaft on the axe head. Uh, so it's not my fault. And so I don't really care. It doesn't belong to me. But he didn't. He didn't. He went to the man of God and he cried, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. Two things. First of all, he took responsibility. Alas, Master. He was greatly concerned. He took full responsibility. Even though it wasn't his axe head, but he felt responsible because he was the one who was using it. He was accountable as well as responsible. Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And he felt, I'm accountable. I borrowed this. It's not mine. It was loaned to me. And so he was greatly concerned. Listen, in a sense, in a sense, Everything that God has given to us to work in his kingdom, in a sense, we have borrowed it. We are stewards of it. We didn't have it to begin with. We had to get it from someone, and that someone was the Lord who gave it to us. There's a couple of scriptures in John 3, 
27, it says, John answered and said, this is John the Baptist, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Everything we have has been given by the grace of God. Didn't deserve it, didn't earn it, but through his grace, he gave us it. And in that sense, it's borrowed. We're responsible for it and we're accountable for it. In 1 Corinthians 4 and 7, you don't need to turn to this, just let me read this. Paul says, For who makes you different from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? And what do you have that you did not receive? So whatever we have been given to do the job for the kingdom of God, in a sense, we're responsible and we're accountable for it. And suddenly, this young man found that his cutting edge to cause him to do the work was gone. It was gone. It was at the bottom of the Jordan. And he was greatly concerned because the work for him ceased at that point. And it concerned him. And he went to the man of God and he cried, Alas, master! <laughs> Alas, master! He was greatly concerned about the situation. It was borrowed. I need to do something about this. Have you ever felt that you'd lost your cutting edge? You're working for the kingdom of God. You're doing for the kingdom of God. But you lose the edge. You lose the cutting edge. What do you do when you lose the cutting edge? Well, we do what he did. We go to our heavenly Elisha and we cry unto him. Alas, master. He recognized his great need. He recognized without that axe head he wasn't going to do anything. He needed that cutting edge and it was gone. And now he was going to have to do something. But you know, it didn't just suddenly go. That axe head had worked itself loose. While he was working, that axe head was getting loose. And either he didn't notice it until it was too late. Or he did notice it, but he didn't take the time to deal with it. It didn't just suddenly happen. It happened over a period. I don't know how many trees he cut down before that axe head flew off. But it wasn't the first tree, and it wasn't the first blow. And that's the same with us. Samson shook himself as before, did not know the Spirit of God had left him. It had been threatening and threatening and threatening and threatening till suddenly it was gone. 
but it wasn't suddenly. We know the story of Samson. It was pending. It was, he was facing it. It was going to happen if he didn't stop and do something. And here's this young man. And then there's that one blow. And then suddenly, after all those blows, getting loose and looser and looser, and then it flies off. But I want you to notice something here. So the man of God said, where did it fall? Where did it fall? In other words, show me where you lost it. Where did it fall? And there's times we have to look back and say, where did I lose it? Where did it fall? How did this happen? When did it happen? Where did it happen? Where did it fall, he said. And sometimes we have to look right into our hearts. Not anybody else's, but our hearts. My heart. And say, Lord, where did it fall? Where did I lose that? And retrace our steps. Well, this young man knew exactly where it fell. He knew exactly where it fell. And I think if we trace our steps and we go back, if there's something we feel we have lost spiritually, I think if we go back, we can trace it. We can trace it. To when the axe head started to go loose. And maybe we didn't deal with it. And it got looser and looser as we worked and we worked and we worked. It got looser and looser until then we lost it. Clifford said earlier in that prophetic word that we can get caught up with the things of this world. Legitimate things. Not necessarily bad things but legitimate things. But they become too much and they take up too much of our time, too much of our energy, too much of our efforts. And we put more time and more energy and more effort into that than into the kingdom of God. And that can become a thing that's bad. In Mark chapter 4, And Jesus, in that great parable of all parables, the parable of the seed sower. And then he explains the parable to the disciples. And just one in verse 18 of Mark 4, he said, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word of the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Before you know it, the things of this world, even legitimate things of this world, can just take over your whole life and your spiritual life gets squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and eventually it's sidelined. Where fell it? the prophet said. 
Today's been a very challenging service, hasn't it? Right from the beginning. And sometimes it's just sheer neglect, isn't it? We neglect to do the things that we know to do. We're remiss, and we neglect. And after a while, you neglect, neglect, neglect. After a while, it doesn't even bother you anymore. You don't even see it. And we justify it. And we say, it's okay. It's just the way I am. And before you know it, your axe head's in the bottom of the Jordan. And you're not cutting anymore. There's no cutting edge. So the man of God says, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And then he did something unusual. He cut off a stick. He cut off a stick and he threw it in there. And he made the iron float. Stick is translated tree over 160 times in the Bible. Would it be all right to see this as a type of the cross? Peter says, he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That wasn't a whole tree cut down, obviously. It was a branch of a tree, but a tree nonetheless. Sometimes we have to revisit Calvary. We have to go back to the tree. Everything God gave Adam, he lost it at a tree, a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything God gave us, we found it at a tree, the tree of Calvary, the tree where Christ died for us. And sometimes in our spiritual lives, oh, I know it's in the background. I know that we meet around the table every Sunday morning. But sometimes in our spiritual lives, we have to go back to that tree, not to get saved all over again. We're saved. But we've got to go back and thank Lord. When I got saved, I had so much zeal. <laughs> I had so much zeal for you. I was so passionate. I never have thought of missing a meeting in my life. Wouldn't have missed a prayer meeting for anything. Read the Word of God, studied the Word of God, did everything I could do because I was so passionate, I was so keen. What happened to that? Where did we lose that? Where did that passion go? Where did that concern for lost souls go? Where did all that go? Hmm? Where did that cutting edge go? Gone. So we'll have to go back to the cross and humble ourselves and acknowledge that without him and his power, we're going to go nowhere. We have no cutting edge. We need his presence and his power. And that has been a prophetic thing this morning, hasn't it? <clears throat> 
So God's speaking to us all. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to us all. He cut down a stick or a tree or a branch and threw it in there, and he made the iron float against all laws of physics. Can you imagine that piece of iron lying at the muddy bottom of the Jordan River? And suddenly, something happens. Beyond all natural scientific laws, it began to rise up from the bottom. Hallelujah. You say, well, a ship can float. Yeah, it can because of buoyancy. Punch a big hole in the side of the ship and not float very long, will it? It's against all natural laws. It's supernatural. What God has given to us at Calvary is against all natural laws. It's not natural. But God touched us. And so it is, it rises up. And then it pops up the top of the Jordan. Now I like what the authorized version says because this is the new King James. I like the old King James in this. It says, and the iron did swim. Just didn't float. It swam. Say, David, now you're maybe going too far. Really? If I can believe that God could make the iron to float, surely he could make it, he could make it swim. What's the difference? I mean, there's no difference, is there? Could you imagine standing at that riverbank and seeing that axe head swimming over to you? Seeing that wee ripple, that wee current has made its way to you? Only God can give us back what we lost. And He can do it. No matter how lost it is, no matter how far gone it is, and as far as that young man was concerned, it was gone. He couldn't even see it at the bottom of that dirty river. Even if he had to dive down a hundred times, he wouldn't have found it. But God can bring it back. God can restore it. And he restored it. Therefore he said, take it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. He had something to do here. God did his part, didn't he? He made the iron to swim over to the bank of the Jordan. And I could imagine that young man bending down, getting on his knees and reaching out and taking it. And for us to get back what we have lost Maybe we need to get down on our knees and reach out and take it up again. Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Hmm. Yes, God gives us gifts. God gives us graces. We know all of that. But in a sense, it's borrowed because we're responsible for it. We're stewards of it. And if we lose it, 
responsible. Can't just say, well, too bad. It's gone. No, we go to our heavenly Elisha and we cry unto him, alas, master, it was borrowed. And we go back to the cross. Say, thank you, Lord, for your gifts. Thank you for your graces. Thank you for all the blessings that you've put in my life. Thank you for all the tools that you've given me to work in your kingdom. All those talents, all those gifts, thank you for them, Lord. And I've lost some of them, or I've lost one of them, or I've lost something. Lord, I want it back, because I can't work without it. I've lost my cutting edge, and I need it back to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Could you just stand with me a moment, please? I don't know where you are today or what perhaps maybe you feel you've lost something. You've lost the edge in some part of your life. Maybe you're in a position where you know that, you recognize it. Maybe you're lamenting it. Say, Lord, I'm not what I used to be. I've lost some of my drive and energy and fire and zip and but Lord I want it back I want your presence back I want to see your glory Lord I want the cutting edge to be keen and useful Lord there's some big trees that needs cutting down and Lord I can't do it without that cutting edge so this morning I want to pray. And whatever way you feel you can pray in your heart, if there's something that needs restored, brought back to life again, then you pray in your heart. Lord Jesus, we come before you at this moment. And we humbly admit our failure, our loss, our sense, Lord, of our cutting edge is gone. And Lord, we need it back. We need it for your glory. We need it for your kingdom. We need it for the gospel's sake. Lord Jesus, touch us today. Grant unto us, Lord, that sharpness again. Lord, that we may work more efficiently and better in your kingdom. Lord, that we may have that edge that we used to have. Lord, we need your presence every single day. Lord, we don't want to go out without your presence because it's no good. We don't want to do it just in our strength for it's no good. We need your strength and your grace and your power and your presence and your glory. So, Lord, we reach out today. We, in our hearts, we bend our knee and we reach out today and we pick it up again. We claim it for your glory again. Lord, make us effective 
and efficient that men and women may know Christ, that Jesus may be Lord in everything Amen. of our lives, that he may be glorified in all of these things. Lord, restore unto us that which we have lost for your honor and for your glory, and we will give you thanks and we'll give you praise in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.